This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. That yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Hello and welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Friday, May 10th. This is episode 248. I am Dan Ellis. Joined in studio by two fabulous people. Aw, thank you. Like hanging out with. Thanks, man. We hang well. I, I get to hang out with you guys twice in as many weeks. Yeah. It hasn't happened for a while. <laughs> it's been a minute. <laughs> What's been going on? What's new? What's shaking? Uh, I've just did car stuff and hung out with dogs. You did car stuff. You showed us your new car stuff. Yeah, I put some like arrow pieces on it, like the. Ryan has a Corvette. Yeah, I do. And and he added some ground effects yep. kit stuff to it that looks pretty snazzy. Yeah. So you've gotten so far you've gotten new headlights. New headlights, new tail lights, the carbon fiber wrap stuff on it, did the stereo inside of it, and now the I guess ground effects on it. What else would you like to do to your to your motor machine? Uh I wanna do different rims. Uh huh. What's wrong with the ones you got now? I like black rims. Oh. Uh, you want to you go the – you want to have it kind of match the carbon fiber yeah. hood and shit? Yeah. yeah. So get some black matte ones. Yep. Uh, and there's a different intake I want to put on or it. matte black, I should say. But I don't know if it, I would pass emissions if I do it. Oh, I was going to say that doesn't matter, but it's safety. That doesn't matter yeah. anymore. Safety doesn't matter. Safety doesn't matter. Yeah. We just yeah. want to make sure we're not yeah. polluting the air. Yeah, there's an intake I found that I want to put on it that takes it from a single 96 millimeter intake to dual 96 millimeter intakes. Mm -hmm. So basically twice as much air entering the engine at once, mm -hmm. which just makes it. Does go. it fuck up your emissions on it? Well, it's the only thing that, that, that it's on right now is race cars. Uh -huh. Oh, okay. So if you didn't have to worry about emissions, you could probably put it on there. Yeah. But it's the same kind of intake that they have on like, the race Corvettes and stuff. Hmm. So it increases emissions, I'm guessing, then? Or? Uh, I don't know. Seems like more air would be a good thing, but I don't know. Well, the thing is, is the, the people that have it on their vehicles right now don't give a fuck about the emissions. They're worried about, hey, we need to make it go fast. Right. Um. So I don't know if there's a, anybody's put that on their Corvette that has to pass emissions to be able to know how to map the computer the correct way to make it pass emissions. Hmm. Yeah, well, and for those who don't know, Utah recently, within the last year or two? I think, yeah, maybe just the last year. Changed changed their vehicle registration process. It used to be that for newer cars, you could go every other year mm -hmm. for safety and emissions. And emissions, yeah. And now, is it that you have to get emissions every year? Every year, except for... The first, so if you buy a brand new car for the first two years, you don't have to do it. Okay. And then you have to do it every year after. Okay. And it used to be on vehicles that were less than like 10 years old or yeah. something like that. You didn't have to do emissions. 
you only had to do emissions every other year. Yeah. But you had to do safety, I think, every year. Right? Well, I thought safety was like, I, I remember one car I had, I was like, well, I do safety this year and then I do emissions next year. Safety this year, emissions yeah, next year. Yeah, it was year. weird. And they keep fucking changing it around. Yeah. But now you don't even have to worry about well, safety, safety anymore. So like, they don't you can up. have bald tires, bad brakes, broken windshield, Shields. lights out. Yeah. It doesn't fucking matter at all. And I have noticed that so much more. I'll be going on the road. I'm like, I see it at least once a week. Oh, yeah. Either going to work or leaving here. I saw one last week when I was leaving here. Yeah. No fucking t- taillights. And I'm like, do they even have fucking headlights? Pull up. I'm like, yeah, they got headlights, just no just fucking no taillights. That's bad. Yeah. It's, it's not good. Like, I can understand them, you know, maybe saying every other year. I think probably we should still do it every year because a lot can happen to a vehicle in a year. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't understand the... The reasoning behind that change. Yeah. Kind of like the lady that yelled at me once in a Smith's parking lot because I went around her too quick. Oh, yeah. And she's like, why did you go flying around me like that? I'm like, well, because you, first of all, don't have any fucking brake lights. Because or... you're fucking ugly and I didn't want to go around you slow. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was an old lady who came to a sudden stop, had no brake lights, mm-hmm. and then started fucking reversing towards me. So I fucking went around her. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. It's like, just because you're in a parking lot doesn't mean traffic laws don't apply. Kind of. Well, she was reversing down the aisle. Yeah. She's like, I was trying to get a park, a better park. I'm like, what the fuck? So I went around her, <laughs> went down, went up and parked, and then she fucking started cutting through cars to get to me. <laughs> Listen here, Sonny. And I was like, where she was trying to park was at the exact opposite corner of the parking lot, apparently. She wanted uh-huh. to park as far away as she could. And I'm like, I'm just going to go up and find a park spot up front. Gonna park as far away as I can in reverse. Yeah, I didn't get that. Sounds sounds she, like there weird. was about probably five or six spaces in front of her. Yeah, but she was reversing towards me with no brake lights and one reverse light working. Awesome. So I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna get the fuck away from you and tell you, should I just let you back into me? You're supposed to respect your elders, Ryan. <laughs> no, I kind of gave her a look like, who the <laughs> fuck are you? What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> so you've been doing car stuff. Yep. Fun, fun. Any any news on filming projects? Uh, everything's just, I mean, nobody said no to anything yet. We're just still talking to people and still waiting, still waiting mm. for the right, the right, the right person to get it at the right time to be like, yes, I will pay you money for this. Yeah. Well, hopefully that works out for you. And you, sir? Um, I've been busy. It's been time to start gardening again oh got right a bunch yeah. of stuff coming up so i've been pretty much doing that after work most days some flowers and stuff mm-hmm. i haven't worked in the yard nearly as much as i should we have a bunch of it looks it looks really nice right now that front island mm. out does yeah but and it looks like it's nice ground cover but all of that shit is weeds <laughs> like oh. I, need to, oh. I need to get out yeah. there with some roundup and <clears throat> get rid of all that shit but that's my entire backyard yeah uh, I, I participated in a sleep study, not, not like they're doing a, you know, a group or organization is doing a study on sleep. It's that it was just a creepy old man I, that you went into his house and laid in his bed. <laughs> Come and sleep on my bed. <laughs> I'm going to study you. Would you like a massage? <laughs> uh, no, it's because I, I have snored for a very long time. And as people who attend the... I never hear you snore. <laughs> I was going to say, well, no, you did attend one of the Atheists of Utah camping trips. Yes. But I make uh, it a point to try to camp away from people because I know I snore very loudly. Bear. 
And you well, sure, I'm keeping the little critters and bigger critters away because I'm I make a lot of noise at night. But I got tired of in the morning people. Oh, you sure snore a yeah. lot. You snore really loud. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> I, this isn't a mystery to me. So now I make it a point to camp as far away from everybody else as possible. And uh, Tracy mentioned a couple months ago that she thought that I kept stopping breathing while I was asleep. And I'm like, well, that's not a good thing. That's sleep apnea. And so I went to the doctor and she recommended me to go to this sleep disorder clinic and have them do a test and all that. I had my option. I could go to the sleep center and try to sleep there, and they hook you up to all kinds of shit. Which I don't see how you could sleep right. Or, it's, yeah. it's a weird environment. It's not normal to you. I would yeah, it's, not, you it's like, not a good environment for a test of how does this person, person sleep, sleep on a normal basis. Yeah, yeah. So then they offer you the option of doing a home sleep study, where they give you the equipment and you come home and put it all over <laughs> you and try to well, sleep, as if that's going to be... Well, yeah, but in which case, you got to hope you put the equipment on correctly. Right. <laughs> Yeah, you got to hope you put the equipment on correctly and that you can get to sleep with all of this shit strapped to you. So yeah. uh, it consisted of this box that was about three by two by one that connects a bunch of other stuff. So then I had a, what are the nasal cannula? Nas- nasal cannula. Cannula. Yeah, thank you. Had a nasal cannula that hooked into this little box. It had uh, some, a couple straps, like... uh expandable straps that had to go one had to go across my chest the other had to go across my abdomen so that they could measure like how the the, chest travel for how for how often and how deeply i'm breathing and then they put an oxygen and then there was another thing that was an oxygen monitor on Mm -hmm. my finger (laughs) with a little box that was strapped to my wrist connected to the other box on my chest via bluetooth to collect the data and so I slept with all of that last night and then had to return all of the equipment this morning by 10 a.m. And then I should have my results in two to three weeks <laughs> to find out what the next steps are. I'm guessing it'll be a CPAP. Mm. And hopefully that will help me sleep better and feel more rested because I'm just fucking tired all the time. Mm. I don't ever really feel like I get a good night's rest. And even on the weekends when I can sleep in past the five or five thirty that yeah. I have to wake up to, to report to work. Even on the weekends when I can, when I feel like I can sleep in, I can't stay in bed too long because then my back starts to hurt. And I'm sure most of it is tied to me just being a fat, lazy bastard, <laughs> but you golf? I, I do golf. I need to golf with much less beer and more walking instead of getting a <laughs> cart and a cooler. Um, so I mean, I, I've been doing little things, trying to eat a little bit better, moving a little bit more. I know I need to lose weight. That's been a thing on my mind for only the last 20 years or so. <laughs> um, but I think, I think losing weight will help. And then hopefully if I do have to get a CPAP, it'll be a short term thing. You know, it's one of those things where I'm tired all the time. So I'm, I'm tired all the time and I'm super busy. And because I'm tired, it takes me more time to do the things that I need to do during my regular work day. And then I'm tired by the end of that. I don't really feel like doing much of anything. So hopefully the CPAP can help me feel more rested to where I can get more exercise, have more energy throughout the day, all that kind of stuff. If I need to get a CPAP, I'm guessing that I will, but I don't know for sure. The, but yeah, that's, 
hopefully that'll come back and they'll say, oh my God, you die like three times a night and (laughs) (laughs) we'll fix that for you. You're going to feel much better here shortly. Uh, So there's that. Uh, And then I wanted to talk about some of the issues surrounding that uh, dealing with insurance and healthcare in the United States. That's fucking stupid. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some free will tonight, um, insurance stuff, and then a bunch of news that's been happening lately. Some Hopefully less news this time and more free will stuff. Yeah. Well. The, the free will stuff should be interesting. I, I, I listened to a couple episodes of, well, I listened to a bunch of different podcasts, but there was one in particular where they were discussing free will. And they made a point that I was like, oh, that's a great point. Hmm. I wonder if I watched hmm. that one today because I was watching something with a certain somebody where a caller called in and he was talking a lot about free will. Yeah. I'll bet it was the same thing. Okay. But well, then you have an, an advantage on me, but uh, it should be interesting. No, I'm I'm guessing you'll agree with it. And yeah, it, it'll, be, it'll be fun. We haven't talked about free will for at least a while, yeah. A couple months maybe, but... Uh, yeah, should be an interesting discussion and we got a bunch more news and stuff up ahead. So stay with us, everybody. Hey gang, this is Jack Materko from for infernal use only and the naked diner podcast. And you are listening to the godless revolution. Now I used to end these meetings with some wisdom from the good book, but then someone reported me to corporate. Heck yeah, I did. Look, I'm a Christian too, but in these four walls, my Bible is the employee code of conduct. We all thank you for it. Yeah, you're welcome. I pray for you, Dina. Pray for you too, Glenn. I'm praying right now. Glenn, so hard. I'm praying harder than you. I know how. Rejoining the Godless Revolution podcast now. All right, so the first thing I wanted to talk about tonight is healthcare in America and insurance in particular. We've mentioned on the show before that I personally think that the whole insurance industry, as far as healthcare is concerned, is fucking stupid. It's ridiculous. I don't understand why there is a person in between me and the care that I need to get right. who says, no, we're, we're not going to allow that kind of care, or we're not going to, or we'll, we'll allow something in that realm, but not exactly what your doctor wanted for you. Yeah. The doctor who has studied for years and years. And has gone, you know, has gone to medical school, has done their internship, has been in their practice for however long. No, we're going to leave this up to some insurance administrator who says, well, that's really expensive and we don't want to have to pay for that. Yeah, it's well, all based on, it's all based on how much they can, how little they can actually provide and how much they can keep uh, take in in premiums. Right. Well, I mean, not just that, but then all the, it is. the doctor, after getting the surgery and he goes to make the insurance claim on the surgery that's already been provided, if he misses a code or he doesn't put something in the right box, check the right square, there's a guy that gets paid to look for that and be like, well, paperwork's not filled out correctly. It's invalid. Here's your, here's your bill. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's just ridiculous to me that there's somebody standing yeah. between me and the services that I need and that I'm paying them yeah. for, <laughs> in order to get those services. And they're saying, yeah. well, you've paid for your insurance and everything, but now we're going to say, well, we really don't want to have to pay yeah. for this kind of thing because we've negotiated specific prices with specific providers to do specific things. And this is not no. one of them. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is funny. I mean, what, like when, when you walk into McDonald's for a Big Mac or something, there's not some dude that steps in front. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me, sir. Uh, I'll talk to McDonald's. What were, what were you going to get? 
Well, I just want a Big Mac. Okay, give me the money. Give me the money. Mm-hmm. And then I'll give them some of this. You can have a cheeseburger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the rest is mine. You know? Yeah, it's ridiculous. And they're they're weighing the odds and gambling on, okay, well, we know that this person's doctor says that they need this procedure or they need this examination to occur, but that's a really expensive thing. Are there any less expensive options that we can explore and put off actually helping this person who's been going to their doctor, their doctor knows their history. I'm some insurance person sitting behind a desk who's made this decision that, oh no, well, you know, they probably don't actually need that. You don't fucking know. You don't know that person. And that person has been paying you in order to be able to get these services. Mm -hmm. It's just, the whole thing is a racket and it is stupid and wasteful to me that there's a middleman in getting the healthcare that I need. And yeah. and worse than that, it's a government sanctioned private company middleman. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the a lot of the things around healthcare, we have we have laws and regulations around that, but it's not necessarily consumer driven. It's it's whoever it's has profit driven legally yeah, mandated. It's, it's, profit, yeah. it's profit driven, exactly. Which is also why you run into the like going to the doctor like, hey, I don't feel right. Something does not feel right. Like, well, let's look at your age. Look at everything. Well, statistically, you probably don't have any of these mm. because you're too young to have that. Let's do these tests. Well, we found nothing. Let's do these tests. We found nothing. Oh, guess what? Remember the thing we told you statistically you shouldn't have? You got it. And we waited too long to find out. Yeah. Yeah. Our our friend Forrest. Who That's who I was kind of show. alluding to with yeah. that. Yeah. Our, our friend Forrest, who had been on the show a couple different times, war, 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 <laughs> passed away fairly recently, and it's he he died I of. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, end of. Uh, yeah, oh, you didn't? I think end no. of January. Yeah, it was when I went back home to Wisconsin. That well, the day I left when he passed away. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah, died. Shit. I, yeah, I I uh, try to get away from using euphemisms for death. Like Forrest is dead now. He's yeah. dead. He didn't. He didn't go anywhere better yeah he didn't go anywhere better he didn't leave us (laughs) he's he's dead now um and that is due in large part because he had he was an aberration you know he he ended up with well i wouldn't even say he was an aberration because i've known people that have had prostate and colon cancer in their 20s Mm -hmm. but luckily their doctors caught it quick right they did the tests they were supposed to do to look for those kind of things at that age, like, kind of like, oh, let's just check for this. Oh, shit. You got cancer. Luckily, we caught it earlier. But in <laughs> Forrest's case, it sounded like they said, well, we'll look for all these other things. Mm-hmm. And what, like six months down the line, cancer was a the thing they decided to look in. Like, maybe we check you for colon cancer. Like, oh, fuck. Oh, now it's stage four. Sorry, yeah. buddy. If we would have caught it six months ago, you probably would have been treated and done by now. But yeah. We fucked up. Yeah. I just want to point out that you disagreed with Dan and then used pure anecdote to reinforce it. But, you know. Well, no. (laughs) Well, I mean. (laughs) So I saw one. It's not Because he was like, well, I don't know if I'd say he was an aberration because I knew somebody that. Well, but it happens all the time. I mean. Well, it's still an aberration, but. There's there's child cancer centers for a reason. It's out of the statistical norm. (laughs) Yeah. But, but so yeah, Forrest, Forrest ended up dying because Mm. of the prostate cancer that he had at a young age that, you know, most doctors aren't going to look at somebody in their late thirties, early forties and figure, Oh yeah, you're having trouble urinating. You've got these other symptoms. I can understand why they would have said initially, Oh, well, you know, it's a, it's a UTI 
or it's uh, kidney problems or whatever. You know, they, they gave him different medications, tried a bunch of different stuff before they finally did any testing for cancer. And when they tested, it was like, oh, shit, really bad news. You got stage four prostate mm-hmm. cancer. And as Hitch said, there's no stage five. Yeah. So, yeah, Forrest recently died. And a large part of that was in dealing with all of these issues surrounding health insurance and coverage and medical providers and everything. And I know that my situation isn't anywhere near as dire as Forrest's was. But when I went to participate in this sleep study, you know, I went to my doctor and this has been going on for almost a fucking year now. And no, actually, it's been over a year. It has been over a year because I just went back for my one year follow up physical exam. So the first year that I went to go see a doctor, first I had to wade through all of my insurance paperwork and the insurance company's website to find a doctor here locally and then create a list of doctors who I who who are just general practitioners who I could go see. Yeah. Then have to call their office to see how far out an appointment is, if they're accepting new new patients, if my insurance is covered with them for sure. You know, because the insurance company may say so, but the doctor may say something different because those two things don't always mesh. So I finally found a doctor, went to her. She's a great doctor. I love her. Dr. Lauren Wood at Tosh. She's fucking awesome. Super cool. Um, She's a little granola for me. A little, a little new agey, she, like she, 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 she wanted to use some essential oils. Well, she had me try fish oil and some other stuff that, you know, was a little wooey, but I was like, okay, I'll try it. Yeah, sure. Whatever. And of course nothing changed for different, for different things that were going on, but she's, she's awesome. Like she's one of the few doctors that I've had where I feel I can be completely honest, which is another problem too, right? Like yeah, you as a patient worry about the information that you're giving to your doctor ever getting out. Oh, I don't. And I made my doc, I made a doctor blush once, I think. (laughs) Well, I'm saying that a lot of people do have that issue where, where they're afraid to tell their doctor exactly what's going on. You know, the, the, the things that they do in their private life that are maybe embarrassing or that they think the doctor may be shocked by whatever. So I go and see her and, and she's just awesome. She's really cool. Very, very friendly and open. It took her a little bit to warm up. I guess there are a lot of people who go to see their doctor and are very non-humorous. And I've never been that way. Like when I go to see the, like I treat them like anybody else, you know, like, Hey, Hey, what's going on? Oh, how's, how's the weather? Uh, you know, how are you feeling today? Well, I haven't died yet. So, you know, I'm I'm doing all right, I guess. And what, what, when I went in for, when I had laryngitis, uh, the, even though I could barely talk, I talk like this. Oh yeah, you couldn't talk. Yeah, yeah. she gave me a uh, uh, pregnazone, which is a st- prednisone, yeah, which is a, a, a steroid, a steroid, yeah, cortical steroid, yeah. And my my, she goes, I'm gonna subscribe you pregnazone. I'm like, I came in here because I couldn't talk, not because I'm pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, even when I couldn't talk, I'm trying to crack a joke. <laughs> and most doctors. Look at you deadpan and go, well, that's not what I was talking about. Well, she laughed. Or you've misunderstood yeah. me. But I mean, more, more often than not, when you're, when you first meet a doctor and you try to, you know, you try to crack a joke, yeah. they're, they seem like humorless yeah. Autobots yeah. or, or automatons. Autobots. <laughs> Autobots, let's roll. <laughs> um, but so I went and saw her. She's great. Uh, she, you know, she asks for my whole history, does the physical exam, takes She wants test, your whole history? Do all of that. <laughs> So, yeah, I was like, it stretches yay big. (laughs) Um, but 
so then I tell her that, you know, I'm, I'm tired all the time and I snore a lot. And she's like, well, maybe we should, you know, get you in for a sleep study a fucking year ago. So we get everything yeah. set up. I, I get an appointment set up to go to this sleep center and I get a call from my doctor's office who says, oh, well, we contacted the insurance company and they're saying that they don't pay for this. I'm like, oh, well, shit. Why is that? Well, they changed their plan recently oh. and, you know, PPO versus whatever other fucking option. Like the whole deal is I'm a, I'm a, I, I like to think that I'm a fairly intelligent person and I have a hard time following all of the ins and outs of insurance plans and oh. they change all the fucking. Oh, I think that's I on think purpose. Yeah. 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 And, and I can only imagine the confusion that is felt by some other people who don't pay attention to it really and don't know what's going on. And then they're faced with these things and they ultimately just give up out of frustration, right? It's just, well, I guess I'll have to wait until it's an emergency and I'll just go to the fucking emergency room and pay, and, pay less sometimes <laughs> and, and have them fix it then when it becomes a real problem which where is it's what a life and death situation. Most Americans do in right. the first place. Right. Which is fucking, it's, it's so sad to me that so many people have to do that because they can't get, they can't get insurance yep. or they have a pre-existing condition. Like there's so many things about insurance that are so particularly worrisome and problematic. So a year ago this happens and like most people in the United States, I'm too busy. I can't spend a bunch of time researching, you know, I'm paying this company, you know, between myself and my employer, I'm paying my insurance company over a thousand dollars a month to go to be able to obtain medical services that my doctor recommends. And now I'm finding out that I can't fucking do that for whatever reason. And I need to track all that down. Like I shouldn't, that shouldn't be the case. I shouldn't be paying more than a thousand dollars a month in order for me to do more research, to find out how the fuck I can get the services that yeah. I'm paying for. Right. When one, so, when one month of, of your premium probably would have paid for this thing yeah. outright. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely, it would have paid for it. Yeah, without any question, yeah. I could have just walked in, handed them a thousand dollars, and been like, "Okay, give me the fucking Done. study." Been done a year ago. Yeah. So we go back and forth and back and forth. I find out, I think, at my six-month follow-up with my doctor, that they had somehow entered incorrect insurance information for me uh. initially. Which then explained why I was getting bills from the doctor saying that my insurance wasn't paying for anything. Which goes into the whole yeah. wrong code. You get <laughs> fucked. So it's like, okay, no. Here, take another copy of my insurance card. Make sure this is the correct one on file. This isn't a plan through my ex-wife. This isn't a plan <laughs> through, like, none of that. Like, they had they had insurance information on me that was, like, 15 years old. Oh, shit. That. I, I have no idea how it was even in the system in the first place. Which you could have changed providers 15 times since then. Yeah. And they, and they just, you know, when I went in to see her the first time and gave him a copy of my insurance card and everything, apparently that just was never entered. Uh. So then six months goes by, I find out they've got the wrong thing. I talk to the doctor. She said, oh yeah, well, we'll get that fixed. Well, how does that, so they're sending a, uh, a letter to an insurance company that you're not even involved with anymore. They're like, yeah, sorry, right. we can't do that surgery. Not saying uh, he's yeah, not, not even he's not like, even like the fucking insurance company didn't tell the doctor that I'm not uh, that I'm not one of their policyholders. Yeah. Just that the information was wrong, or, or no, that they wouldn't cover that. We're not going to cover that procedure. 
not for that. this person. Not because, you know, they didn't tell uh, the doctor, oh, well, your insurance come, your insurance information is wrong. We don't even have them as a policyholder. They just said, we don't cover that. The, the insurance company's probably like, well, <laughs> we're not going to cover that for him because you see, he hasn't paid insurance premiums in 20 years. <laughs> uh, maybe that, that could have been the case too. So I go in recently for my one year follow up with the doctor for another physical exam. You know, you get your one free physical exam per year. So I go in for my physical exam. She draws blood, asks me questions. We chit chat for a little while, asks me how things are going on. And I'm like, well, I'm still not sleeping very well. A fucking year, year after I initially talked to my doctor about this. And she's like, oh, really? Well, didn't we get you into sleep study? I'm like, well, no, there was a whole mix up with the insurance and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh boy. Well, yeah, let's get that taken care of. So she's like, I'm going to have my MA contact you to set up you know, we'll have you go to our sleep disorder center. They'll, you know, they they can do a couple different things. She mentioned the home study or have me sleep there, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, great, that'd be awesome. So this was two, maybe three weeks ago. And I was able to set up an appointment with the sleep disorder clinic um, for Wednesday. So I go in. And on Wednesday, I have no idea what they're, what's going on. You know, they, they sent me, they, they sent me an email saying, you've got to print out all of these forms, answer all of these questions and be sure to bring it with you when you come in. So I do, it's like five pages of questions, which is great. I guess, you know, that I had an opportunity to fill all of that out before I went to the doctor and then the doctor can look at it, kind of assess the situation, have a better idea of exactly what the complaints and problems are. Do all of that, go in, visit with the doctor, uh, answer some more questions with her. She says, yeah, well, here are your options. I decide on a home sleep study because. Like it, we talked about, it's more natural. Yeah, it's more natural and, and I'm going to get better as, sleep. As and then I don't have to, be. you know, I don't have to go somewhere else. Like the whole deal is off-putting. So I bring all the stuff home and, um, or no, I, I, I set up my appointment to go and eventually return to pick up all of the equipment. She's like, okay, yeah, this is what I'm going to recommend for you. So I had to go see my regular doctor who referred me to the sleep specialist. The sleep specialist sees me and then says, well, I need, now I need to refer you out to the, to the people who actually do the sleep study for us. So I'm going to do that. And then they'll call you for another appointment. So I had to return for that appointment. Uh, I was supposed to pick up all of my equipment, uh, the next day, right? She's like, I'll get this all set up. They'll contact you to do a pre-screening to to fill out all of the information to check out the equipment, take it home. You're going to have to come in. They'll show you how to use it. You take it home, and then you're going to have to bring it back the next day. So Thursday, I go back into the doctor. Yesterday, I go back into the doctor, pick up all of the stuff there, explaining how to use it. And this was just kind of a funny aside. But because we live here in Utah, where there are so many Mormons, who of course wear their fucking garments yeah, all the time, right? I didn't even think about that. The, that I'm that I'm standing there, and the the woman who's very very obviously LDS. I mean, she's got a CTR ring on. You can see the you know she's wearing like the mid calf culotte pants or whatever <laughs> the fuck they call them. And you know, of course, I couldn't see any shoulder. Yeah. She had a little modesty, you know, thing on her V neck blouse that she's wearing a bib yeah basically (laughs) and so she's telling me about how i need to put all this stuff on and she's like so you'll take this black box and you'll just need to clip it to your shirt and i'm like well i don't i don't wear i don't wear a shirt to bed i'm like what if what if the only thing i wear to bed is underwear because i can't stand 
wearing a shirt or anything else that's going to stick to the sheets and bind. And I'm like, I just, I wear underwear to bed and that's it. She's like, well, oh, really? You don't wear a, uh, like pajamas or, <laughs> or, a, or a t-shirt or anything. And I'm like, no. She's no. like, oh, well, then we can't do I'm this, sorry, but yeah, you're going to have to wear like maybe just a light t-shirt, even <laughs> if it's just a tank top or something, but just so that you can clip this box onto uh, it so it doesn't shift around. I'm like, all right. And I'm guessing she'd, you know, she'd probably figured that I may wear garments myself and everybody wears clothing to bed, right? Like, yeah, why? You should have told her, I sleep the way <laughs> Jesus made me, naked. I lay in the buck every night. I'm covered by covers and that's all I need. Why would Jesus make you sleep naked? <laughs> no, I said the way Jesus made me. Yeah. Naked. When did that happen? Jesus made you well, naked. Jesus didn't make me, but when you're born, you don't have clothes on. That's the familiar touch, Jesus. I need to talk to an adult. Um, so, yeah, so that was just kind of a funny aside. So I get the equipment, and she tells me that I have to bring it back the next morning. So today, by 10 a.m., and I'm like, oh, shit, I got to fucking work. So I'm gonna ask, guys, I'm going to have to waste my lunchtime to take this equipment yeah. back to you. So anyway, I get all the shit hooked up to me. Got the cannula on, the thing strapped to my finger around my wrist, the two things, you know, one around my chest, one around my abdomen. I got this box sitting on me. Looking like you're in the ICU. Yeah. <laughs> so I I lay down, I eventually drift off. And of course, it's more difficult to get to sleep with all of that stuff <laughs> strapped to you and uh, end up sleeping most of the night. Sorry for the <laughs> noise there. I keep hitting my microphone. Uh, end up sleeping through most of the night. I woke up for some reason at like four o'clock on the dot. I did too. Like just for no, like I don't remember hearing a sound. There wasn't any, like I just was wide awake at four o'clock and then I couldn't really get back to sleep. I had a dog that had a poop. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I had to fill out paperwork before I put everything on, you know, asking me about the things I've consumed throughout the day. You know, did you have alcohol, caffeine? Cocaine. When did you last eat? When did you go to bed? How do you feel? Was there anything atypical about your day? Anything out of the ordinary? Uh, and then in the next morning after, after I have all the shit strapped, you have to fill out the paperwork again that says, <laughs> what time did you go to bed? How long did you sleep? Do you feel rested? You know, anything out of the ordinary happened last like, night. Like, all yeah, of, there's you know, a box strapped to my chest. <laughs> right. Right. So I fill out all that out, uh, return all the stuff today. And now I've got to wait another two to three weeks to get the results back. But in the meantime, so the doctor had set up for me to go and pick up the stuff. Right. So I, I just leave figuring everything is fine. I come home. I get a call from the sleep center that says, oh, hey, we contacted your insurance company. Oh. And apparently they don't pay for this. So it's going to be an out-of-pocket expense. So we're going to cancel your appointment for tomorrow Ugh. unless we hear back from you. And, of course, they called at like 445. And they, and they close, close at, at 5. <laughs> so the next morning I get up because I've got an appointment with them that I scheduled after work. You know, I get off at 2.30, I made sure to set my appointment for 3.30, so I'd have plenty of time to get over there, get all the stuff, whatever. But then I get this call saying, hey, your insurance company has told us that they don't accept your, your plan anymore. And it fucking kills me that when I'm in the doctor's office, they look at my card and it says, you know, Cigna Health PPO. Oh, great. Well, we, you know, we know that PPO means that we're going to be able to cover this as an in-network provider. So... 
apparently they call the the insurance company. The insurance company says, oh, no, we don't do that. We've changed our plan. Yeah, so too doc- bad that you've been paying for this other thing. Yeah. So then the doctor calls me. You know, so I go in to see the doctor. The doctor calls the insurance company. The insurance company says, no, we're not going to pay for that. Then the doctor has to call me back and say, oh, no, well, your insurance company is telling us that they're not going to pay that. So then I have to call the insurance company the next day. And the insurance company says, oh, yeah, that's right. We don't pay that anymore. And I'm like, well, it says you're on the card PPO. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's the same thing. But apparently your doctor is saying that we don't cover that. And I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, then we don't. Well, (laughs) then who the fuck is right here? Because it says PPO. And my uh, card says date issued or whatever, you know, uh, issue date of the policy is, uh, December, 2018. And she's like, oh yeah, that's the current card. I could send you out a new card, but it's going to have all the same information on it. I'm like, well then why is my doctor not- who should know my doc left all the fucking people in the world who should know other than the insurance company, whether the insurance company is going to pay the doctor, it should be the fucking doctor, right? Yeah. This isn't something I should have to know for myself. Yeah. The doctor should be able to say, oh yeah, we work with this insurance company all the time. It's not like Cigna is a small insurance company. I'm sure they deal with them all the fucking time. But my doctor didn't know that my insurance company wouldn't pay for it. They call the insurance company. The insurance company at the time my doctor called confirmed that, yes, we're not going to pay for this as an in-network expense. It'll be out of network. So they call me. I have to call the insurance company. I call the insurance company and they say, oh, yeah, well, so do you know how this whole thing works? And I'm like, I think I have a pretty good grasp on it. But apparently, yeah, so, so I have a... $250 deductible on in-network expenses, after which my insurance company will pay 90-10. So they'll pay 90% of the claim. I have to pay the other 10% for in-network expenses after I meet my $250 deductible, which is a fucking sweet-ass I have, a, I oh, have, that's, that's I'm good. a federal employee. I have really good yeah. health insurance and it's still a fucking pain in the ass and it's still fucking ex- expensive. So. They're like, oh yeah, it'll, you know, in network, you have a $250 deductible and then we'll pay 90-10. And so far I've met $68 of my deductible for the year. And I'm like, okay, well, fine. But apparently they're saying out of network and I have to pay out of pocket for out of network. And they're like, well, you can still go to an out of network provider, but we don't pay as much for those types of services or, or to those providers for out of network. Your deductible is $500 Ah. and, but so, and it gets more confusing from there. So the amount that I've paid out of pocket goes toward both deductibles, right? Okay. So the $68 or whatever that I've paid so far out of pocket still goes, still counts toward either the 500 or the 250. Okay. So. Of the 500 that I would have to pay out of pocket, I would still have $432 or whatever remaining, right? Um, That was bad math, sorry. Um, (laughs) But I'll still have to pay that much out of pocket, and then they'll pay 70-30. They'll pay 70%, and I have got to pay 30%. additional 20%. Keeping in mind that you've gone into this McDonald's once a month, every month to yeah. pay for yeah. the same Big Mac. Yeah. Oh, just he, so that when you need it, if it's, it'll be ready and made. And now they're saying, well, we don't put mustard on anymore. Well, yeah. we don't do, we, we got rid of the, we don't have to notify you. I, oh, I know you've been paying for it. No, now, actually now you have to buy a couple other items first. And then once you cleared this total amount that you've already given to us, 
then we can talk about the cheeseburger. Was it? Was it cheeseburger? No, yeah. Big Mac. I can't remember. But... Big Mac initially. Yeah. But see, that's, and they like, would give me a cheeseburger. Like what you're saying there, though, with them not covering it before, not covering it now. Mm-hmm. If you sign up for that mm-hmm. and you look at what they provide and go, yes, I want that. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't be able to just arbitrarily, whenever they want, go, well, we're going to get rid of that. And you're still going to pay the same amount, even though you're not getting that no more. Yeah. Because when you looked at that, you were getting that. Maybe you got that because it had that. <laughs> well, exactly. Now you don't like, got that. Like when I, you know, you've got to pick your insurance plan every year. So I make sure that I compare the rates and the coverages and the deductibles and. Which is you know, also such a fucking pain. That oh, it's... God. Yeah. And, and, you know, and so, and in addition to your regular health insurance, then you've got to add things on like dental insurance and vision insurance and auditory insurance. Vision insurance is bullshit. Well, yeah, it's all it's all it's fucking all bullshit. bullshit. Yeah. It's all bullshit that I have to pay somebody else to go see who my doctor wants me to go see to get the procedures done that my doctor wants me to get done. So, you know, there's all of that bullshit. So I, I call the insurance company. The lady's explaining all of this to me, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I think I've got a good understanding of that now. And she's like, so you can still go see them. That'll be fine. But just know that you're going to have to pay whatever up to the five hundred dollars, and then you're going to have to pay thirty percent of the bill instead of ten percent. Which even then, that's still, you know, so you've got your copay, then yep. you've got to worry about your deductible, yep. and then you've got to worry about the remaining percentage, percentage. that you have yep. to pay on the bill. And who the fuck is actually going to track all of that, right? What consumer of health insurance and the services provided by your health providers is going to be able to track all of that information? And to know that, oh, well, so far I have paid this much out of pocket. I know because I have my receipts and my insurance yeah. company, you know, so then you've got to keep track of every copayment that you put in every, every, you know, uh, every payment that you make toward the deductible, every percentage of the remaining bill that you have to pay. Nobody's able to do that. And so insurance companies run wild with all kinds of shit that they're billing for people. And nobody tracks that stuff very and well. You can't say no to them. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to pay that. <laughs> like, well, okay, we'll put a lien on your fucking check. Yeah. Or, I mean, we'll at send least... you to collections. We'll yeah. ruin your fucking credit. Yeah. And at least there could be some sort of, at least competition that would help streamline this all a bit, but there, it's not a problem anymore because we're all forced to buy it too. That's the mm-hmm. other thing. Yeah. Well, and... there, there shouldn't be the competition. And because so all it takes is all. I think Dan. I think the point, the thing about having the middleman is the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it absolutely is. And having having people mandated to like keep up on with their doctor or whatever, fine. But the mandate is basically just saying, "Oh, you're going to all pay premiums now." Mm-hmm. That's yeah. And so after all of that, right? I go up. I go to pick up the equipment yesterday morning. So I, I, so Wednesday or sorry. So Thursday morning after I get off the phone with the insurance company, I go to the doctor fully prepared that, okay, fine. Yeah. I, I will have to pay my 30% and a higher deductible, you know, more toward the deductible. Basically I'll probably have to pay for this whole procedure by myself yeah. before I meet the deductible. You would hope anyway, but who knows? Cause insurance costs yes. are so fucking crazy. Um, but. I went in there thinking, okay, well, they'll give me the equipment. I'm going to have to go to it as an out-of-network thing. But I've already been waiting more than a fucking year to get this taken care of. I finally got a got an appointment with a doctor. I finally went, you know, filled out all the paperwork, went and visited the doctor. I'm supposed to pick up the equipment. 
that fucking day is the day that my insurance company's like, oh no, uh, you know, it's out of network. And the doctor's like, well, we're going to cancel your appointment unless we hear back from you. So I call the insurance company, figure all that out, call the doctor, say, no, don't cancel my appointment. I'll still just come in. That's fine. I'll pay out of, out of pocket, out of network yeah. expenses. That's fine. Get into the doctor's office to pick up everything. And the receptionist behind the desk says, oh yeah, well, we weren't really sure what was going on. So this person, another, another administrative person in the doctor's office called your insurance company and spoke to two different people because she didn't like the answer she got from the first person <laughs> spoke to two different people. And actually we found out that yes, indeed your insurance company will pay us as an in-network provider, not out of network. So you don't have to worry about it. And I'm like, honestly, I don't even care anymore. Like, I don't like you guys figure that stuff out. It, you know, you bill my insurance for whatever I'll deal with it. I have a flexible Look, spending I, account because I know that I have these yeah. deductibles. So on top of the th more than a thousand dollars that I pay per month for my health insurance, I also put into a flexible savings account because I know that I have deductibles and out-of-pocket expenses and co-pays that go along with all of this other bullshit that I'm going to have to pay for. So I have a flexible spending account that I can get reimbursed mm -hmm. for any out-of-pocket expenses. Like, this whole thing is so fucking stupid to be able to just go and get a service that my doctor recommended. I've got to get this insurance that I'm paying more than $1,000 for. My doctor calls the insurance company, gets the runaround. I call the insurance company. The doctor calls me. I go back and talk to the doctor. The doctor's already called the insurance company twice more times for a fucking procedure to get this shit to strap to my body <laughs> overnight. And so when I go in, I'm like, I don't, I don't really care. Like, I'm fine with paying out of pocket because I'm going to have, I have my FSA account that I usually end up donating more than $500, you know, yeah. back to whomever, because I haven't run up that much in medical bills and all this, because you don't want to die in your sleep from stopping breathing. Right. <laughs> right. And I, I, or, well, and it can lead to all kinds of stuff. You know, it can be, oh, yeah. it can be an indication of Parkinson's disease. It can uh, lead to uh, heart problems, kidney problems, liver problems, like all of this shit that, you know, your body needs sleep for. So it was just really hugely frustrating and very maddening that I had to go through all of that. And in the end, they're in network and they're going to pay for it. But I still have to, the whole insurance thing is fucking stupid. Yeah. So I started looking around at alternatives. And of course, you know, Bernie has proposed Medicare for all, which is great. That's fine. A lot of other people have proposed that too. Fine. Good. That, that'd be awesome. And I ran across a headline that said that a uh, Coke-backed study actually found that if we were to move to Medicare for all, there's nothing but upside to it. Nothing yeah. at all. This So I, po I posted this out on Facebook. After reading, I actually went out and read this entire study by Mercatus or Mercatus. And I can, I'll post a link to this in the show notes for this episode. But I read this entire study that was done by Mercatus Org which is a conservative think tank, Charles Koch. Yeah. One of the well, Koch that, that's brothers. What when you said Koch at first, I'm like, oh, I'm thinking, are we talking about the brothers or the soda? Yeah. Yeah. It's the Koch brothers. Yeah. Charles Koch is chairman and CEO of Koch Industries and is on the board of directors for this conservative think tank who did this study on health insurance, right? And I read this entire study after reading a couple articles about it because I was like, well... That doesn't sound quite right. Me being the skeptic, I'm like, well, I'm going to go to the source material. So I read this entire fucking study by myself mm -hmm. and then posted that on Facebook that the the study conducted by this conservative think tank 
that has one of the Koch brothers on its board, uh, that study came to the conclusion that we can provide health coverage for every single American. We can include dental coverage. We can include vision coverage. We can include auditory coverage. It will reduce the cost of prescription drugs. It will simplify the provider patient experience because then you're not going through all of this fucking yeah. bullshit that I had to go through. Uh, it'll simp, uh, you, it'll completely do away with co-payments. You won't have to worry about that anymore. Completely do away with deductibles. You don't have to worry about the in-network, out-of-network provider confusion bullshit. It'll increase the net income of every American. Yeah, you don't have to pay for that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it'll improve health outcomes because more people will go to the doctor for, for things that they may yeah. think are no big issue that they later find out, oh, because, fuck yeah, yeah, you've got a real issue. Because they're not worried about, I can't afford a copay. Right. <laughs> and I can't go through the headache and hassle of, you know, running through all of this yeah. different shit with all of the insurance, with all of the insurance questions and company problems. Um, and it will allow doctors to determine the best care for their patient instead of an insurance provider doing that for you. And they can do all of that and more and save $10 billion per year while doing all of these other things and improving health outcomes for everybody yeah. and covering every fucking person in the United States. That's what this study from a conservative think tank says. Why the fuck? Are we dealing with insurance companies? Money. We should be. It it's is. ridiculous. And that's where, with the whole, like, saving $10 billion, that's where I hate when you see, like, Paul Ryan was the big one getting up there, like, like they want to put this bill forward for health care for all, and it's going to cost us 30-some-odd billion dollars. It's like, yeah, but it costs us, like, 40-some-odd billion right now. So that 30-some-odd billion, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not bad. Well, and I think the other the other thing about this that that is a hard pill to swallow <laughs> for for Americans Good is that in order to pay for this, your taxes are going to have to go up. And the but, study the study itself says that if we basically double the federal taxes for everybody, you would still have a net income gain because you're you're. A lot of people don't understand this. They, they look at their their, their paycheck and they see, they see, you know, well, I earned this much and then I've got, you know, Social Security taken out and Medicare taken out and unemployment taken out and state taxes and federal taxes and my health insurance costs and my dental costs and my vision costs. And they see all of these deductions. And when they see their health insurance costs, what they don't realize, uh, what a lot of people don't realize is that their employer pays the bulk of that. Oh, this yeah. is just your portion of it. Yeah. But your employer also pays a huge amount toward yep. that. Most employers do. My employer being a federal being a federal employee, I have really great benefits and they pay for a huge portion of it. And one good thing that, that I don't really ever see because they just do it. It's not taken yeah. out of my pay that I can see, but it does affect my bottom line because then that's that much money that they're not able to pay me because they're having to pay the insurance company. And uh, we talked to a retirement guy a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we get we're, we're lucky as long as you keep your federal health care for five have it for at least five years towards the end of your retirement. You keep that in your retirement. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that, you have to pay way more than what you would have been paying normally. Like even like with the government's aid. So like right now, like you, <coughs> you pay like a hundred. Sounds bucks. like you need to go to the doctor, right? <laughs> yeah, I've had this nasty cough for a long time. Uh, we should look at getting a cough button. I should. I'll uh, my cough button. Uh, 
But in retirement, the price to get healthcare because you're older, the guy was going through the numbers like it doubles and triples sometimes depending on who you go through. Oh yeah. So it's like, oh yay, I'm retiring. Age-based discrimination is Pretty perfectly much. legal in the in the insurance yeah. world. Yeah. Oh, I'm retiring. Let's see what my insurance is now. It's like, oh fuck. Well, I was paying $180 a pay period last time or like, you know, 300 bucks a month. Now I got to pay 2000 a month. Mhm. Because I'm retired and I'm old. Mhm. What the fuck? Yeah. And and the fact is that most American households are one medical emergency or disaster away from bankruptcy. Being homeless. That's how bad the healthcare situation yeah. is in the United States. That you can have one medical emergency that could fucking ruin your life, ruin your family's lives because they still have to pay those bills. Yeah. That's how fucking expensive it is around here. But we could do away with all of that. We could just get rid of all of it. But like I said, it's a hard pill to swallow. It's a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow because they don't realize how much their employer puts into it. And if you tell them we're going to double your taxes, they're going to freak the fuck out. But what they don't realize is that you're still going to be paying less overall. Yeah. Well, because you no longer have to and pay And your a, employer a will have more money to pay you. Well, but I they, guess. But, but, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you wouldn't be paying a Medicare tax anymore, but you probably, you still would because it's different Medicare. It's the insurance side of it. Well, you'd be you'd or be paying just, you'd just be paying your federal taxes, and that would and then, your so yeah. taxes would go towards so, toward the universal coverage. Yeah. yeah so that met the Medicare gone. Yeah, mm -hmm. your vision all that like, gone. I mean, that's probably I have to look at mine, but it's over a thousand bucks a month for me. Yeah, but that's including what the government pays, right? Uh, including what the government pays, it's more than double that. Oh wow, they pay more than they pay more on my policy than I do. Yeah, but to think to think that there's you know, tens of thousands of dollars going out to pay for insurance for my family for these different things. And it's just, it's me, Tracy and Danica. That's, yeah. that's all that's on my policy. And it's tens of thousands of dollars that are going for that every year so that I can experience this level of frustration and this much time wasted on some fucking bullshit nonsense. And it's not, ridiculous. And not only that, but they're, they're hardly even competent. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. call them up and nobody knows what's going on. Oh, yeah. well, what did your doctor say? Well, he said this. Oh, that must be it then. And <laughs> another person going, oh, well, actually, we don't cover that anymore. Sorry, we didn't let you know. Yeah. Or actually, yeah, we do cover that depending on who you talk to. So, you know, they're getting all this money for doing nothing and not even training anybody. I mean, That's they, what they want. their overhead <laughs> has got to be like zero except for their oh. CEO. Oh, my God. So the other thing, like the kicker to all this, right, is when I call the insurance company, I'm like, Hey, and can you please send me a couple more insurance cards? I have three people on my policy, but I only get one card per year. And so then it's like, do I make copies of, for, of it for other people? Do I have to call you and get other copies? They're like, oh, no, well, we're sending out cards. And I'm like, I'm only getting one. You send me one per year. Yeah. Well, there's one with your name on it. But then we send a separate one for Tracy and we send a separate one for Danica. And I'm like, well, they're not getting here. And they're like, oh, well, it looks like we have a different address for them. And I'm like, well, what Why? address do you have? And she's like, well, we can't tell you what's on their address. And I'm like, I'm the policy the holder. <laughs> well, yeah, but, you know, because of HIPAA laws and everything, we can't tell you what's on here in privacy. And I'm like, okay, uh, well, the only other address that I could possibly think that you would have is my address from Clearfield from like four years ago. That was my previous address i'm like is and i and i give the address and she's like oh that was close but it's not quite it and i'm like oh well it was 
20, you know, I, I go through the address and I'm like, oh, that's right. The street number was different. It's not, it's not this number. It's this number. She's like, oh, that's right. Yeah. You were just a few numbers off. And so like the that's whole time. She violated the hit plus. <laughs> yeah. So the whole time, you know, and, and then she asks uh... me. So then she asks me, oh, well, can you verify uh, Danica's date of birth? And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> uh, I know it's September 7th, uh, but I'm like, it's my stepdaughter. So I have a hard time remembering the year. I'm like, I think she's 22 or 23 now. So I'm like, I think it was 95 maybe. And she's like, oh, no, that's not right. I'm like, uh, 96. No, that's not quite right either. <laughs> And I'm like, 97, you know, and so I, I like mentioned all these numbers. She's like, nope, that one's a little bit too high. Nope, that one's a little <laughs> bit too high. Just until I fucking guessed the goddamn year. And then oh. she's like, okay, yeah, well, that's correct. So you'll just, and then after all of that, she still tells me you'll need to have them call to change their address. So then I had to send messages to both Danica and Tracy to have them call Called, the insurance uh. company to update their address and... Uh, also put on there that I could speak for them and, and they could release information to me as the policy holder uh, to be able to update this shit in the future. Just fucking ridiculous. All of this, all of this for a fucking sleep study that's been going on for more than a year now, more than a year that I've been trying to get this done. And then I've still got to wait another two to three weeks to get the results. And then however long to get back into the doctor and then however long to pick up the equipment. If I need, it's just so fucking stupid and wasteful and ridiculous. There's a better way. And even conservatives through their studies have shown that we can do all of it and save so much money and cover everybody and get better health outcomes. It's just the only thing stopping us is greed and the fear of change. Well, damn. Yeah. You want socialized health care. Have you seen what happened in Venezuela? <laughs> oh, you mean when they put in a dictator as leader and <laughs> who just ignores laws and subpoenas and is going to lie about everything under the sun? I, I wonder I wonder how that would turn out here in the mm. United States. We're seeing. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's the new argument I hear all the time. People the new one is before he's be like, Well, why don't you just go to Russia then or whatever the fuck? Yeah. Now it's well, why don't you go move to Venezuela if you like socialized health care and all that stuff so much? Yeah. It's like you're only using Venezuela as that right now because they're crumbling. Why don't you use I would love to move to Sweden or Europe that has an awesome. Well, and that was Canada. And that wasn't really socialized anything it, because no, it was run by a fucking a dictator. dictator. Yeah. So that argument is terrible. Well, Russia, I mean, they confuse communism with socialism and yeah socialism every, and marxism and, yeah every day yeah yeah all right well let's talk about free will on the other side of this break okay this is dr dan matt's boss from the two skeptical chaps podcast and you are listening to the godless revolution oh shit did i say rev i mean revolution bloody americans fucking up the language you can edit that right spike you know what? No one is leaving this room until I see someone express some real GD emotion! Uh, well, perhaps seeing a dead person today made us all realize how fragile the journey of life really is. Thank you. A little cliche, but points for effort. All right, uh, why don't we just all bow our heads? No religion in the workplace. Okay, a moment of silence. Nope, for not if you're thinking about God. 
Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. Welcome back. We're going to talk more about free will. We've we've done several episodes on free will, and we've mentioned it in several others, just kind of in passing or as the it's... mood strikes us or becomes relevant to something we're discussing. Uh, but I was listening to an episode of The Atheist's Experience with Matt Dillahunty, and I wish I knew the names of the guests who were on. I don't watch the show. I listen to the podcast mm-hmm. later. Uh, but they were talking about free will, and they made some really good points that I hadn't really considered. And they seem to rebut a lot of the claims that compatibilists make. So I think we can all agree that there's no such thing as libertarian free will, right? That I can't, I don't, I don't have the option to choose whatever I want for, for financial reasons, resource reasons, whatever. Like my choices are limited. There, there's no, even no preferential. Yeah, yeah. Like whether you like the color orange or blue is not something you decide. That's something that comes up through your biology. Yeah. yeah. Or, or changes or, over time. Yeah, and it can change over time for sure. Um for me that's never been a huge issue being colorblind. <laughs> <laughs> um but they talked about that even to say if you're a compatibilist, L- let me back up just a now, moment. I thought Matt was a compatibilist, or is. Well, I heard him say this last time, but I heard him, if it's the same sort one, of, yeah. he said a soft determinist. Yeah, yeah, and and I think perhaps he was swayed by some of the arguments, the the two, I believe they're British? Yeah. The, yeah. the two British chaps. Some people from overseas. That they had on the show uh, with Matt, and... So in the past, we've talked about the fact that Dan Dennett says that he's a compatibilist, right? And I have voiced my opinion that I think he takes that stance because he's afraid of the implications of, uh, of saying that he's a hard determinist or, or saying that he's a determinist in general. The, he sneaks things in as a compatibilist. Because he's afraid of the consequences of what determinism may bring in the in the eyes of other people who may not be as uh, uh, enlightened as Dennett. Yeah, as enlightened or as perhaps educated or philosophically minded. Where the implications that I think he fears about just coming out and saying that he's a determinist and that that is the fact of life for everybody um, is that then people would take that to say oh well then we can't hold people accountable for their actions you know we can't we can't prosecute people we can't imprison people we can't you know seek to uh punish or rehabilitate people because it's all just it's all determined you know they it's beyond their control really and i think that is why dennett takes that stance and he goes so far as to kind of redefine what free will is and that's where i say he's, he's sneaking things in because okay. he's He's basically he's changing the definition. Yeah, he's basically reframing and changing the definition of free will to where it's not free will. Like the only conclusion then becomes compatibilism to where he's saying, well, where if I feel as though I'm making a choice and I feel in retrospect that in looking back, I could have made a decision other than the decision I made at the time, then that makes me feel like I have free will. And so then, you know, that that does mean that we have some sense of free will and so I'm a compatibilist. But like I say, that's that's redefining 
what the term free will even is in order to arrive at compatibilism. And he throws things in there like quantum indeterminacy, um, you know, that there are, that there are variables that we can't account for. And so we don't know necessarily that, you know, given all of these things that if you throw in quantum indeterminacy that, you know, you, you may, you may still, you know, there's other variables. So we can't, we, if, if in a perfect world we were able to study the placement of every atom, in in whatever circumstance and rebuild that that we would know what the choice is going to be or that we could reconstruct everything to know what led to that point right and really even if you do that you're still a determinist because there's those those variables still don't allow you to have free will because they're variables that you don't know that you've said that you that you don't know or what those that variables are that you can't identify them don't, you don't have know control how, over yeah that you have no control over those things right so then it's still determined it's not something that is up for your free will and your free choice and we've received feedback from listeners over the years as we've talked about these things i'm i'm, I'm looking at you tim <laughs> <laughs> and i still think we need to get you in studio to talk about this some more um because you're sneaking in these things in order to say that you're a compatibilist when really, you know, it would just be much easier if you say I'm a determinist and then we can talk about the, the issues that surround all of that, right? Rather than changing the definition of free will, sneaking in all of these, all of these different things that then lead it to where the, the conclusion is compatibilism. But then you've basically just reframed the whole argument to where that is, that is the only solution or the only conclusion that you can arrive at well and he's he's also i mean in this sense i guess i don't have to say dennett but we'll say person a whoever's represents these views or whatever is, is doing exactly what religious people do too right they're like well i don't like i don't like the idea of death therefore religion is true mm-hmm. yeah and that's that's just beginning a a whole thing on a fallacy yeah well and i think i think beyond that it it's very patronizing. It's a very patronizing view yes. of other yeah, people, it's condescending right? For that sure. that that other people are too stupid. And I don't know that I necessarily disagree with him, but yeah, it's compelling. Yeah, that you know, people people won't have the understanding necessary to say that you know there is no such thing as free will. I'm a determinist, and here's why. And the implications of that are, as I said, that you fear that then people then we won't be able to either punish or rehabilitate people because it's beyond their control when that's really not the case. We're talking about both internal and external forces acting on uh, any particular situation, a large part of that being biology and what leads you to pick one Mm -hmm. thing over another. Um, And there's some people that with through their biology, they may not be able to be rehabilitated, mm -hmm. but if it's, if it's through actions that other people have done to that person, you can probably like, Hey dude, you're worth something. You can change. Let's get you fixed. Let's get you better. And yeah. I mean, I would view that as as a crossroad. And I think a lot of people, aside from the idea of uh, crime and punishment mm-hmm. and, and rehabilitation and all of that, um, I think a lot of people worry about the implications and shit, it's just escaped my brain. I was thinking about another argument for why why they find this particular line of reasoning compelling. 
when it relates to everybody else. I, it'll come back to me eventually, I'm guessing. Well, the other temptation is to slide into nihilism. That's what it was. Oh. Too, so. that's, that's exactly what it was, was, was that, yeah, if you, if you yeah. do say that you're a hard determinist or that you're a determinist at all, then it does tend to lead people to have a more nihilistic view of things. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, like the, me. The, what, I, the, what I do, it doesn't matter anyway because it's... It, it doesn't. It's determined. Well, <laughs> no, I think there's... That, I think if there was... If you had, like, a predetermined aspect... Yeah, and that's the other thing, Then too, you is, might be more of a... Have a nihilist view, like, well, it's already predetermined. Yeah, and... I've got no control have, over this. I don't accept predeterminism, but I'm a nihilist. Yeah, well, yeah, but if you accept a predeterminism, you might be more likely to be a nihilist because then you're like, well, fuck it all. There's nothing. I else. thought you accepted anecdotal evidence. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but I think that is that is another one of the concerns that people have is that it may tend to lead people toward a nihilistic view of things. It's where, a much it's a much smaller step. Yeah. Yeah. Where where. Well, it doesn't matter what I do or say anyway because it's determined. So I think there are a few different issues, right? There, we have the concern about crime punishment rehabilitation. We have a concern about um, people sliding into perhaps nihilism. And again, fuck it. I, there was one other, thi- one other thing that I was thinking of that is a good argument for why compatibilism may be a less bitter pill uh, to swallow than determinism. Oh, shows. no, the, the people get confused between determinism and Something being predetermined. Yeah. And I, and I will admit to, you know, a few years ago, falling into that camp where I'm like, well, yeah. I, I was falling into the camp like, well, determinism, that means everything's determined from the beginning. Yeah. But no, it's not what it fucking means. Like, I had to rewire my brain and rethink about it. I've been like, wait. <laughs> had to switch up your paradigm. Yeah, because, <laughs> yeah, predeter- having everything be predetermined, like, at birth. Boom. From birth to death, everything that's going to happen in your life is predetermined. Yeah. That's fucking bullshit. And that's a Calvinist view. And yeah, that's, that's, that's fucking cock-off. bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely is. And to say that you're a determinist. Well, wait, what, what's so caca about that? Uh, about predeterminism? Well, it, uh, in the way that Ryan defined it. Uh, I don't, what, what problems do you have with Ryan's definition? No, I, d- I don't. I don't have problems with the way he defined it. That's exactly what happens. Well, now, I, now I'm lost. I, I, uh, but I don't I feel like I missed something. That happens to me a lot lately, though. <laughs> well, <laughs> well. So what Ryan, the, what Ryan was saying was that you know when you get up in the morning or whatever, everything's going to be every things are going to happen the way they're going to happen. Yeah, they are. I don't know what the time frame has to do with any of that. I don't know how like if if you choose a different a larger chunk of time instead of saying. You know, my next answer is going to be determined. Now we're saying from the time we wake up in the morning, it's going to be determined. Yeah, all of it. Any moment of it is. I mean, it it doesn't matter if you take a bigger chunk of it or if you look at a snapshot. There's no room for for free will to start entering just because you're extending the time period. What I'm saying is I don't think predeterminism is the way you define it. I think you just redefine terminism. Well, no, I, I, that's the way I understood predeterminism be like everything from, the, you know, the, the, A to Z is, is the, already pre-planned. It doesn't matter, yeah. Is that what you're saying? I, well, that, that I still seems feel like, like missing maybe something. there's more of an agent involved in predeterminism. Oh, yeah, that there's somebody pulling the strings. Yeah, is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, in that sense, that's obviously nonsense. But yeah. but to say that to say that actions in the universe are determined, 
Well, I fall in, I, I guess the reason why I don't go with the predetermined, because I, I, I still would say I'm a little bit of a soft determinist, because I do kind of view you can have a crossroad in life. You deciding, hey, I'm fucking sick of my job. Do you I want to stay so, here? Yeah. Or do I want to go find something else? It feels that it way. It sure feels that way. Well, yeah. it, it, it maybe it maybe it, it does feel that way, particularly but, in retrospect. But I mean, a lot of times you might stick in that job for a long time. You'd be like, "Well, fuck! I've hated this job my whole life. I could have left it fifteen no, you, years no, ago. No, I had, but you couldn't. You had the opportunity. Had the opportunity to, so, to and but, you didn't take that opportunity. Right. But you could you have would've. taken that opportunity. No. no. It was a possible. The possibility was open to you, and you but, didn't take it. Yeah. Just like you always will and always would have done. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, it's, it's, that's, that's why I don't like thinking of that. I like thinking of like at that moment, mm -hmm. you are given an opportunity for something that you didn't maybe even didn't even think of. Like someone came to you. It was an option that was available to you, but yes. it, it still wouldn't be an option that you would have or could have taken. You would not have acted any differently. See, that's, right, we that's were, where I don't kind of yeah, like. Yeah. See, and if, if we were to rewind rewind history's tape to that exact moment in time where you feel like you made that decision, right? It, you didn't, you didn't actually make a choice to pick one thing over another. You, it, it feels like you do. It's I, I will, I won't argue that for a second. I won't argue at all that it feels like you make an, you yeah. make an active choice, right? I don't argue that either. Of course it does. Yeah. It feels totally like you. Yeah. And, that. and that's where, that's where a lot of the confusion comes in a lot of the argument circles around is that it it absolutely feels like you make a choice but if we were to rewind if we were to rewind history and and the universe back to that particular point in time it's not going to change the fact that you know that day you woke up tired you had a headache you um you know somebody somebody on the road cut you off you were in whatever mood it's not going to change any of the biological things that are happening within you and well, yeah. in your brain that you could rewind to that moment and then choose different. You would you would make that choice over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. It would never change if you could rewind everything back because you made that choice. Well, yeah, you made that choice. At I mean, I I think the whole and we say you made that choice and the whole thing like the language well, is, the language is tricky around it, right? So we say that you made that choice, but you didn't actually make a choice. This is this is the thing. That occurred. <laughs> well, I guess it's a thing that occurred, but that's where I, in my, like, I often sometimes think, like, what if I had not chosen to get out of the military early and do what I was planning on doing? Because mm -hmm. I wasn't, I never planned on being a firefighter. I never wanted to be a firefighter. Mm -hmm. I didn't even pick it. You didn't grow up wanting to be a firefighter? No. Riding on, riding on trucks and playing with spotted dogs and the, the dragon hoses the around? The deterministic world decided you're going to be a <laughs> fucking firefighter. I, it, I didn't even pick it. Well, there you go. Uh, You've never picked anything. Well, yeah, I have. I've picked my nose a few times. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can pick your friends and you can pick your nose, but you can't pick your friend's nose. Yeah, you can pick unless your, you're really, really close. You can pick their ass. <laughs> That's disgusting. But yeah, it, it certainly feels... Especially, like I said, in retrospect, that we have a choice because you can reflect on all of the things that have happened since since that occurrence, since that circumstance, that situation the has event, occurred. Whatever. Yeah, since that event, you can you can rethink and now you have all of this knowledge that you didn't have at the time. So you feel like, oh, yeah, well, if I had done this, then this, this and this may have happened. And so it lends it lends to this whole notion that you did actually have a choice, but you can't change or you can't choose to change 
what's going on in your brain at the time. Well, yeah, I hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. But I'm going to don't think about elephants, Ryan. I'm not thinking about elephants. (laughs) If you watch a DVD of the Shawshank Redemption, it sure looks like you would be able to come up with all kinds of other options they could do in each given moment. But no matter how many times you watch it, they're going to do the same thing they always do. But but I'm not saying I could change a moment, Mm -hmm. but I'm still thinking in the way I view it. And it's hard for me to sway away from it is that in in a crossroads style moment where it's like, do I take this job or do I go do what I was planning on doing originally? Yeah. Well, and like I say, in not that I can go back to that. And but whatever, at that and moment, whatever the I could have said no, but you couldn't, but I still think I, at that moment, the option was available to you, but, but your, I, I did, but your biology and all of your experience up to that point has made it determined what your, what would be the, what would be yeah. the decision? Whatever it well, whatever it ended up being is what it always would have been. I yeah. in, in my opinion, I chose the one thing as contrary to you everything. Like you chose, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you definitely. <laughs> like I say, I I won't argue for a second that that it feels like you made a choice. But if we could rewind all the way back, you would still make that same choice. You're, you're not going to pick differently because you made that decision. You made that choice. This, well, this is the thing that happened. If I could and go you back had, to that you had moment. reasons at the time that you felt were valid. And so if you were to rewind everything back to that point, it's not going to change your mind about it. It's not going to change your mind about the decision you're making right then. You can look back at it and go, oh, well, if I had chosen differently then this, this, and this may have happened. But it doesn't change the fact that this is what you chose and would choose again if you were rewound everything right back to that moment. But if you had, well, yeah, I'm... Now I'm, now I'm lost in my head right now because, <laughs> yeah, you can't go back to that moment with the knowledge that you already have. Yeah. So since that you've already made that decision, but at that time, original time, I still don't see why I wouldn't have had the option to say, no, I'm going to go back to Afghanistan. No, you did have the option. You had the option available to you. I had the you. intent. <laughs> you had the option available to you, but you didn't take it, and it's because... Everything up to that point determined what your decision, I think quote unquote, was decision or choice was going to be. <laughs> I right? didn't want to have to pack anything so, up. <laughs> so unless you can go back to that moment and change something about your biology that led to whatever decision or event occurred, nothing would change. Everything is the same. Everything would play out exactly the same way. If you could go back to that moment in time with no well, knowledge of things in the future or anything, just rewind it back. There's no way possible that you would have chosen differently because you did make that choice. Well, there were reasons well, that were compelling but, to you at the time to make whatever quote unquote choice you made. That, that wouldn't me, change. But that to me definitely sounds like predetermined. No. Saying so you have no choice. When you get to a, to a point where you have a yes or no, you don't have a choice. It, the choice is already made. It's not, it's not that the choice is already made. It's that everything that would lead you to make that choice is already has but already isn't happened. that the same thing? No. No, everything everything that has already happened that would lead you to do one thing or another. But I mean, you can keep taking that back and well, everything that made you do that thing before and the thing before and the thing before and the uh-huh. thing before. Yeah. But then that then all of that's already been determined. All the way back to the big bang. All the way back to the beginning. Yeah. That would be predetermined. Nope. That's why I didn't disagree. Not predetermined. It's deter there's a difference between Something that's determined because of all of the things that are occurring right then in that moment, in that 
millisecond of time throughout all of the eons in the universe's existence, everything led to that point. And if we were to be able to study and know all of the different things, all of the chemistry that's going on on in your mind, all of your past experience, all of that, if we knew that, then we could then we could say, well, this is what he's going to pick. But we don't know all of those things. We don't know all of those variables. But to say that you could rewind everything back to that moment and choose to do something different than what you did is impossible. See, because you did what you did. To me, that still seems like, in my mind, predetermined. Like, No, there's no there's no grand plan. Nobody has predetermined. Not taking a architect, a god, uh, whatever. Architect. An architect. Did I say architect? <laughs> yeah. But like, excluding all that. I said to Noah, there's going to be a floody floody. Just saying from the Big Bang to the end of the universe, uh-huh. everything's been decided. No. no. Well, if if the Big Bang and this crashes into that and that causes this to move that way and this to move that way and that causes you to your mom to bump into your dad and they bump their uglies together and then mm-hmm. you come spilling out and you get hit with a baseball in the head and all of a sudden you can't talk anymore and you become a movie star. I mean, you know, I don't have a choice <laughs> in any of that. Right. <laughs> Right, you don't have a choice, but it's not been predetermined. There's no, there's no script. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying out. script, but as soon as the first atom is in motion, you can't stop that from moving. I would say there kind of is almost a script. I mean, not, <clears throat> excuse me, not, not like a god script, but a physics script, a physical script of the universe, and because at some point you would, you would be able to, you know, hypothetically map that all out i mean there's no way we can calculate as much stuff as as many moving parts as the expansion of the entire universe from the uh, singularity and don't forget the quantum indeterminacy (laughs) yeah yeah, right (laughs) um but if if you knew the initial conditions you could theoretically map the entire thing out well, I just had a thought about quantum indeterminacy, too, is that we don't know, like, things at the quantum level change based on our observation, right? Yep. Just weird. And so we can't say that because of quantum indeterminacy, we don't know that things would be different. Right. Because, oh, wow, this is fun. Okay, so... People like to throw quantum indeterminacy in there, right? To say that, oh, well, things things could have been different because of quantum indeterminacy there's there's these, there is play, there's there's these room extra variables right the molecule could have went left instead of that going throws right in all of this random it. stuff but that's still not accurate either because it was observed right so yeah it did change and we know that it changed because it was observed mm-hmm. and so there's really in in looking at so things in the past, we, we shouldn't look at. We you. can't really include quantum. No quantum indeterminacy because it was observed. It's it's already happened. Yeah. So you're saying if you didn't look at it it's when it happened, it could change. So no. They, so <laughs> if you weren't it, looking when it happened, it can change. Yeah, blind people. <laughs> blind people have free will. <laughs> yeah. Schrodinger's will. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's something that just occurred to me too. Is that yeah, it, even if you throw quantum indeterminacy into it, it doesn't matter because it was still observed, right? It had mm-hmm. to have been, it had to have been observed in order for there to have been any quantum effect that would be noticeable. It would be noticed and therefore it's it rules out the whole, you know, 
throwing a throwing a monkey wrench into the gears with quantum indeterminacy because it was observed. So it's laid down in stone then at that point. Enough. It has changed. We we these are the things that led to this right at this moment. You can't say that oh well these quantum particles could have acted differently, but they didn't because they we didn't. S- <laughs> you'd have to you'd have to build a time machine and go busting in like run across the lab. Don't look at it. <laughs> Don't observe anything. But yeah, we we know that we have that that our observational effects on the quantum realm you know, make things change, change and, yeah. and make them different and that it could have been whatever until it was observed. But so you can't throw quantum indeterminacy into something in the past because the past has already happened. It it has already been observed. It's something that's set now. I would argue you can't throw any indeterminacy, indeterminacy into it because yeah. it's, it's the opposite of that. It's yeah. determined. Yeah. That's yeah. That's something that I haven't really thought about until just this evening. Maybe. Yeah, me neither. I usually don't think about quantum at all because it, I don't know anything about it. It's mysterious. I don't and have neither one do computers. people who are going to be talking to me about <laughs> it. <laughs> I'll have to go read some Deepak Chopra so that I can figure oh, yeah, 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 out all of this all of this quantum stuff. Um, but yeah, that's that. That hmm. is an interesting thing. But that is, so that really quantum indeterminacy is that the test where they they shot a proton of light like through the at, slit you don't know where it's, slit, slit, it's gonna go photon. through yeah yeah uh, yeah that's like and like when they looked at it it went through this slit or well and until you look in the box schrodinger's cat is both dead and alive. alive yeah you don't know until you observe it right hmm i'll have to think about that some more and we'll have to get tim in here to talk to us <laughs> because he's like hardcore compatibilist yeah. <laughs> what does that even mean <laughs> i'm not sure we should have him come in and talk to us uh, I'll, I'll contact him, see when he's available. Cause he, every now and then I'll post something about free will and he's like, yeah. hey, I'm here to check this out. Confirms what I believe. Moving on. <laughs> mm-hmm. I liked him a lot. He's really funny. He's a good dude. Um, we have some other things to chat about. We will do that when we return. Okay. Hey everybody. It's X from the Utah Outcasts podcast and YouTube channel. And you're listening to The Godless Revolution. I can't believe I'm going to lose my job. I just upgraded all of the trash cans in my apartment. Stupid, Dina, stupid. Relax. Things have a way of working out. (laughs) I'm sure you'll be happy with me gone. We turn this place into some sort of deranged religious cult. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! All right, Matt, what'd you bring for us this week? Mm, I have some little quick facts. Okay. Interesting. Uh, the International Space Station has triple glazed windows, one of which has a chip in it that looks like what you see when a like someone shoots a house window with a BB gun mm-hmm. or something, hmm. like just a little chip out of it. Uh, the object that struck that, that caused that, was estimated to be the width of a few thousandths of a millimeter. Oh wow! A, this fleck of paint, they said, size. Wow, and it yet. So it must have been moving thousands, in thousands, of, thousands of miles per hour yeah. speed to be able to have that much energy. Yeah, yeah. so. At that rate, an object the size of a pen lid would have the energy of a hand grenade. Oh, jeez. 
So. And there's a bunch of space debris and garbage out there. Oh, yeah. More well, and more all the time. Plus aliens. They track it. <laughs> the aliens leaving behind their garbage. You're, you're giving ammo to them goddamn flat earthers with that talk, though. <laughs> Not the aliens, the, the floating debris. How's that? How does that play into there? Uh, because one of the things they say is the ISS could not possibly be up there uh-huh. floating around the uh, a, a globe uh-huh. with that much debris floating around and all that other stuff kind of coming at it from thousands of miles an hour. <laughs> it would just be destroyed. <laughs> These are the same people who look at like uh, flight maps where it shows all of the planes in the air and they're like, look, why aren't they all crashing into each other? Yeah. Well, there's also thousands of feet, feet of, of distance and height and, and yeah. yeah, elevation. And, better. Yeah. and tracking. Uh-huh. We track space debris. Yeah, they're not all there at the same time. Either. Yeah. Right. They they can they can raise and lower the elevation of the ISS. So mm-hmm. that way it's like, oh, hey, there's debris 5,000 miles ahead of us. We need to drop our elevation a bit because we can't control the movement of that thing. Yeah, I saw I saw a thing months ago that talked about the number of items that NASA tracks in orbit oh, that are incredible. just space debris. And it's I think it was in the order of tens of thousands of things well, that they know the location of itty bitty specks of stuff oh, yeah. like a screw or a bolt or you know little things that they know are out there that they keep track of. There's enough out there that there's plans to make things to go get it and bring it back to Earth, or we'll crash it back to Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was the one that it try it, to capture it so that it's not y- such a danger. Yeah, there was that that one device that they were working that was it was like a satellite killer, where it could go up and it would grab an object, basically latch onto it, drop it into low orbit where it would automatically just descend and the thing would go Burn back up. up. Oh, grab something. Grab else. something else, bring it into lower orbit, drop it, and it would go back up. Hmm. I don't know how many items you get before it would run out of space. its fuel. Yeah, but. Still, but look at that as a weapon. Destroy We're going to go get all of Russia's the satellites. satellites from other nations. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, typically the area of Christianity, but science has turned water into wine. Um, done through chemistry when they add flavors and colors, yeah. more chemistry. Other things um, besides water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they don't just mix it all together and then it's wine or whatever. Sort of. Hmm. Um, and it has two major implications. One, in the future, we could be drinking grape-free wine, which could save hmm. a lot of water, potentially. Hmm. And two, Jesus was at best slightly ahead of his time, but <laughs> definitely still a fraud. <laughs> I had a thought today that I posted out on Facebook that Jesus is, Jesus was a bastard. I saw it. Well, yeah. technically he was. Yeah, he was. Yeah. They weren't married. Yeah. So... I want to get t-shirts made up that say Jesus was a bastard. bastard. (laughs) That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Perhaps I'll do that. Add it it to our merchandise store that I still need to set up. (laughs) We can make a little silhouette of, like, God sitting between Mary and Joseph. Like, "Uh uh-uh, this my bitch tonight. (laughs) Jesus talking to Joseph, you're not my dad. (laughs) (laughs) You can't tell me what to do. Uh, did you guys know Muhammad Ali was a magician? 
No. I know well, that he floated he like a do, butterfly and could, could sting like a bee. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I didn't know uh, he was... Apparently, he was pretty good at those. He could do over 30 tricks, but would immediately tell people how it was done because there was a religious prohibition on deception. <laughs> there was a religious there prohibition? There is in Islam, yeah. So, oh, really? He would do a trick and then immediately tell them how he did it. So people are like, oh, you're good and kind of bad at this. <laughs> like, <laughs> magicians never revealed their their their, their tricks, secrets. <laughs> so this is a story, and it's connected to religion. Um, Elizabeth uh, Wetlaufer. Have you ever heard of her? Mm, I've I've heard some Wetlaufers, but I don't. I, I haven't heard her or of her. I think raised in Woodstock, Ontario. Uh, growing up in a staunchly Baptist household. Uh, she went on to earn a bachelor's degree in religious education, counseling, and, uh, sorry, from L- London Baptist Bible College after graduating from Huron Park Secondary School in the mid-1980s. Then she studied nursing at uh, Conestoga College. Uh, she began to hear voices as a working nurse later in her, a little bit later in life. <clears throat> she began to hear voices telling her to kill patients at the hospital. She shouldn't be working then. Hmm. Dude. Because of her religious upbringing, Elizabeth interpreted those voices not as mental illness, but God telling her to kill. And she's in his debt, not only for the crucifixion, but also for her sexual identity. As a Baptist and a lesbian, she was evil and going to hell, you know, unless... She did what God told her to do? eternal support, there would be no diverting from her plans now uh, with all that set. Um, while she was a nurse at Carisant Care, a long-term care home in Woodstock, uh, Laffer began injecting some of the patients with insulin. In some cases, the amount was not enough to kill the patient, uh, but she was charged with and confessed to aggravated assault or attempted murder for those cases. And how can Christians get around this without falling victim to the no true Scotsman? You know, she's saying she's a Christian, she's a believer, she's done mm-hmm. her whole life. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, she wasn't a real Christian. Yeah. God would never tell anybody to do Oh, yeah, wait, exactly. what about uh, Isaac? Abraham, and, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, G- or God himself with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, her first assaults occurred sometime between June 25th and December 31st of 2007. She confessed that she injected sisters uh, Clotilda, Adriano, and... Did you say Clotilda? Clotilda. Oh, yep. Clotilda. Still, that's not. Yeah. Uh, anyway. And uh, Albina Demideros, and they were eighty-eight and eighty-seven years old. Now they're gonna die soon, anyways. With insulin, yeah. Um, which they later did. Uh, neither neither of their deaths was attributed to Wetlaufer. Um, she confessed uh, to two counts of aggravated assault in those matters. Um, basically what happened is she went through, she killed one, two, three, four, five, six people and injured three others, at least trying to murder them all based on this religious idea that her schizophrenia was really, uh, God talking to her. God is talking and it, and it, to me. And it wasn't just her too. I mean, you remember the Susan Smith and, uh, mm-hmm. what was, uh, Andrea Yates. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a whole bunch of drowning the babies. Yeah. Well, even uh, both of those were drownings, right? Yeah, one in the yeah, car and one yeah, in the tub. The bathtub, yeah. I mean, there's. Uh, I can't remember the name of the movie. The guy's dead now, which doesn't fucking narrow it down. There's uh, a lot of dead people. 
But the movie was semi-based on a real serial killer that basically said, God told me he can show me who who the demons are, who's evil. And him and his two sons went out on a killing spree. This sounds like the plot of a movie starring uh, the guy that's in the Buick commercials now, I want to say? Yes. He's in it. Oh, yeah. Oh, so you you are talking about a movie. Well, no, it's a movie, but it, ha- it happened in real life. Oh, really? In real life, the guy, I can't remember from the movie if he killed one of his sons. Like, he basically, exactly. like, one kid is like, well, he's not he's not doing the bidding like he's supposed to. Mm-hmm. He's he's, he's a not coward. following God's plan. He's not following God's plan. So he fucking You'd dr- think God would have known that when he drew up the plan. <laughs> he, yeah, really. he pushed the kid off of a dock mm-hmm. thinking he can't swim. He's just going to fucking drown. Kid didn't drown, so he fucking put his head on the kid's, his foot on the kid's head mm-hmm. until he stopped squirming under the water. Like, okay, he's dead. Let's call and say, hey. So-and-so is missing. They'll find him in the water. He must have fallen into the lake. But uh, he would have his rituals, and part of his rituals was he would rape the women when he was killing them and stuff, and it was pretty fucking brutal. But then there's that movie where like, he's like, God's going to show me. I the, think it's called the, Frailty, isn't it? That's I think, the, yeah. That's the title of it, yeah. Yeah, where God's going to show me these implements that we got to use, and he dug that, that pit in the I backyard. I need to use and, this axe, and yeah. 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 That was an interesting movie. Yeah, so that movie reminded me when I was hearing the story Except, of that serial killer. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was going to say the end of that is... it Trippy. Yeah, but then they also... Well, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but... It's a good movie. Yeah, it's interesting. It was underrated, but it was, yeah. it was good. Yeah. What is it? McConaughey. Yep. Matthew McConaughey. Matthew, thank you. Yep. Yeah. You're welcome. He's <laughs> he's the main guy, the narrator of it. Well, and you talking about this nurse killing people reminded me of this oh. of this story that I read yes. earlier today about uh this this nurse in uh where was he? Oldenburg, Germany. In Germany. Where he's, they they think that he may be the most prolific serial killer in the history of the world. Wow. Because they they think that he may have killed over 300 people as a nurse in Germany. Um, Let's see. This this story is from the New York Times. Says, Oldenburg, Germany, the nurse arrived at the intensive care unit of Delmenhorst Hospital with a solid letter of reference describing his describing him as someone who worked independently and cons- and conscientiously in a crisis it said he reacted with consideration and was technically correct <laughs> technically either You're you technically are or correct. you aren't <laughs> it gave no indication that officials of, at his former hospital in Oldenburg Germany had grown deeply suspicious about the number of deaths while the nurse Niels Hogel was on duty or that they had barred him from contact with patients and effectively pushed him out that should be passed on to his next employer. You would hope so. Especially if it's in another hospital. Well, and, and especially if it's, you know, you're you're worried about the care that the patients are yeah. getting under this guy and that he may have killed people. Yeah. yeah. You'd think that would be something that you would pass on to potentially his next employer. Before long, similar suspicions arose at Delmenhorst. Within four months, a patient, Bridget A., died under his care. Others, Hans S., Christoph K., and Joseph Z., followed. Why, why do they all just have initials for last names? It says that later. No. <laughs> all were identified <laughs> with only joking. a last initial under German privacy laws. Today, Mr. Hogel, 42, is considered the most prolific serial killer in the history of peacetime Germany hmm. and perhaps in the world. Officials suspect that as many as 300 patients may have died by his hand over five five years. Wow. 300 people. 
starting in 2000. Still, it took more than a decade for a full investigation by the authorities who exhumed over 130 bodies in Germany, Poland, and Turkey as they struggled to define the scope of his crimes. Mr. Hogel has admitted to killing 43 people, has not ruled out killing 52 others. I'm not saying I did, I haven't said I didn't, and denied killing five. They died before I can get to them. Let's see, of the 100 people you've brought to me, I'm going to say I did not kill these five people. (laughs) (laughs) The number of killings and the amount of time it took for suspicious surroundings, uh, or for, or, Jesus, the number of killings and the amount of time it took for suspicions surrounding his actions to come to light have raised uncomfortable questions for Germany, including whether the same deference to hierarchy and predilection for procedure that once facilitated Nazi-era crimes allowed Mr. Hogel to go or to kill uninterrupted for so long. If it is possible that in Germany more than 300 deaths over 15 years can be swept under the carpet, what else is possible? (laughs) said Christian Marbach, whose grandfather was a victim of Hogel. What does it take for people in Germany to stand up and pay attention? (laughs) <laughs> Mr. Harbach now speaks at at nursing schools about the moral questions raised by Mr. Hogel's case. According to Frank Lauksterman, the only former colleague who testified openly about working alongside Mr. Hogel, a culture of looking away and keeping your head down ultimately shielded the suspect. Mr. Hogel is serving a life sentence for murdering two patients and playing a role in the killing of four others. The current trial in his is his third since 2006. This time he faces charges of killing 100 more patients. Jeez. 36 at the main clinic in Oldenburg, a tidy city that prides itself on its university and 17th century palace, and 64 others after he transferred to Delmenhorst, a suburb of Bremen about 20 miles away. And it's got some pictures of him. The presiding judge, Sebastian Berman, has ordered eight of Mr. Hogel's former colleagues to be investigated on perjury because of suspicion that they lied to the court or withheld evidence in the current trial to cover up lapses. Revelations of apparent negligence by the hospital authorities have already led to other criminal investigations. Two doctors and two head nurses from Delmanhorst Hospital were charged with manslaughter. Mr. Hogel is expected to testify at their trial after the court reaches a verdict in his case expected in June. Former colleagues from Mr. Hogel's early days as a nurse said he had quickly made a name for himself as someone who could handle the pressure of life-or-death oh, situations. Geez. In reality, prosecutors say he created situations in which life and death rested in his own hands. He administered overdoses of drugs that caused cardiac arrest so that he could rush back and try to revive patients heroically. His colleagues called him Resuscitation Rambo and rewarded his skill with a necklace made of injection oh, tubes they probably used to kill him. which he wore with pride. Of 411 deaths at the Delmanhorst Hospital during the three years he worked there, 321 occurred during or just after his shifts, records show. The authorities do not know how many patients he may have killed. The cases of only those victims who could be exhumed and autopsied for traces of medications used to treat regular heart rhythms, but that can be fatal in high doses, were brought before the court. Dr. Karl Heinz Beine. <laughs> leading German neurologist and head and head doctor of psychiatry at St. Marion Hospital in Ham, said the nurse appeared to be driven by narcissism and a need to feel a deep, a deep lack of self-worth. A physician in England, Harold Shipman, who was convicted in 2000 of killing 15 patients by lethal injection, was a similar case. A government inquiry concluded that he had killed at least 215 people. He took his own life in 2004. 215 people? 
Niels Hogel is a member of this extreme minority, said Dr. Biney, who has researched serial killers in the medical profession since 1989. He said that what struck him about Mr. Hogel's testimony was his lack of empathy even when speaking to victims' families. For the first time starting last year, Mr. Hogel, who sat through previous trials silent and sullen, testified to the court. Often, he recalled remarkable details about uh, or surrounding the deaths. For others, he mechanically offered the same almost cynical answer, I have no memory, but I can't rule out a manipulation. Five times he denied killing a patient. No pleas are entered in the German court, but two days into his latest trial, Mr. Hogel told the court that he felt shame when reading over the medical records of the patients ages 34 to 96. Every single case, even just reading them, he said, I am endlessly sorry. The apology only raised more questions about whether the words could be believed. I personally am convinced that the defendant continues to live out his narcissism today, testified Arnie Schmidt, who is now the police chief in Cookshaven and led a special investigation from 2014 to 2017 into the killings for the Oldenburg police. Only when presented with enough evidence would Mr. Hogel confess, Mr. Schmidt said, adding that the nurse had had reveled in playing God. Mr. Hogel grew up in Wilhelmshaven in northern Germany with both parents and an older sister. His father was a nurse, and he decided early in life to follow in his footsteps. At some point, his colleagues noticed that patients suddenly needed to be resuscitated when Mr. Hogel was on duty. People die in the intensive care wards, former nurses told the court, but not so many so swiftly. In the beginning, you just think it is fate. A former Delmanhurst colleague, identified only as Susanna Kay, testified, but at some point you grow distrustful. She said Mr. Hogel's colleagues in Oldenburg had talked about him but did not go to their supervisors or lodge a complaint out of fear of being reprimanded or because they didn't see it as their business in a country where citizens closely guard their privacy. When another nurse in Delmanhurst told her superior she was suspicious of Mr. Hogel, no action was taken and she never followed up. Dr. Piney, said he hoped the trial would raise awareness of the failure to call out suspicions and break through the hierarchical structures that govern hospitals in other large bureaucracies in Germany. He cited a Prussian slogan adopted throughout the country's bureaucracies, Reporting sets you free. Eerie, eerily similar to the Nazi slogan, Work sets you free. That means it is enough to report a suspected wrong without taking further action to ensure that it stops. As a healthcare worker, you have no you have to know that your responsibility is for your patients, not the hospital's image, he said. It was not until June 2005 that Renata T., a fellow nurse in Delmanhorst, took further action after discovering Mr. Hogel standing over a lung care patient, Dieter Maas. His life support system had been switched off, and in the tray lay four empty vials of medication not prescribed for him. She quickly took a blood sample and sent it for tests. The next day, the patient was dead. When the test results showed a dangerously high dose of heart medication, the doctor and nurse in charge met to discuss the situation. But they let Mr. Hogel finish his shift. <laughs> he has other people he needs to see to. Wow. In those hours, Renata Roper, 67, became his final victim. And the story goes on, but I think, well, no, it's almost done. Uh, the course of events that took place on June 24 is symbolic of the failure of those responsible for their completely erroneous assessments and actual facts and the tragic results that ensued for the patients, Mr. Schmidt said, announcing the results of, inve of his investigation in 2017. That investigation came about 
only four only after years of pressure by family members and led to the current trial. Two former prosecutors from Oldenburg were investigated for failing to fish, to sufficiently investigate Mr. Hogel in 2005, but neither faced charges. One is now a judge in Oldenburg. <laughs> judge Berman opened the current trial with a moment of silence to honor the victims. At times, the proceedings have seemed more like a truth commission than a criminal trial. The purpose of this trial is to provide answers for the family members who loved, whose loved ones died to help them understand how and why, Judge Berman told a witness. But Maria Tutor, 47, expects more. Three years ago, the police told her they suspected that her husband, Adnan, <gasps> I hear Adnan there's Syed. a whole podcast about that, <laughs> might have been murdered by Mr. Hogel. Since then, she has struggled with depression and at times even to drive to the supermarket. Hmm? Until, I don't, I, what does that have to do? Oh, she has struggled to even drive to the supermarket, oh. I guess. Until this happened, I saw doctors as people who did the right thing. They were there to be trusted, she said. But in this case, they swept everything under the carpet. I finally want justice to be served. Crazy, man. hundred people. That's a lot of people. I guess I guess if you're old and you die in a hospital, they just don't do a toxicology report. They sweep it under the rug. Hmm. They're not going to look into it. Well, maybe things just work differently in Germany. Well, I, historically, that's been the case. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, things are starting to work that way here in the U.S. So. Yeah. With the orange Cheeto in charge. No. No more oversight of anything. Yeah. We haven't we haven't talked a whole lot about politics lately on the show. Well, largely because we've been off for a month, and then last week we did some catching up. And honestly, we could talk about politics, and we may we'll I'm sure I'm sure and certain that we will talk about politics more in the future. Uh, if you want to hear a bunch of great, great episodes devoted to politics a whole lot, you should check out. Uh, Opening arguments with Thomas Smith and Andrew mm, Torres. Yeah. It's a great show, and Andrew's an attorney who who talks about all kinds of political stuff, and it's pretty awesome. They do yeah. a great job. Two sharp guys having a yeah. conversation. Yeah, it's awesome. So why are you telling them to stop listening to our show? To go listen to. I didn't say stop listening to our show. I said <laughs> you should also. Also, yeah. I didn't say also, but also you should go and listen to that. No, they 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 do a great show. I, I think all of Thomas's shows are really good. Uh, and Andrew is a brilliant attorney who has a lot of uh, great critical insight into a lot of the politics that's going on. And I am starting to worry about what the fuck is going to happen when the Trump administration just <clears throat> keeps stonewalling and says, it doesn't matter. You can issue subpoenas. You can hold us in contempt. You can threaten to fine us every day. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to do it. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to yeah. do about me not doing anything about the things you're doing? It's not going to matter. I don't care. Go ahead. Have your little committees. It doesn't matter. I want two more years of my presidency. I think maybe, you know, I should just be president from now on. That's, that's the yeah. way it works. Well, he honestly needs to learn that the president is not above the law. Yeah, he's he acting like he thinks he is completely above the law. The president of he has the... been his whole life. He, he literally has been above the law. Mm-hmm. True. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has been sued. He's been in court a lot, but he's always got fucking gotten away with it for the most part. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's never served jail time, but he's had to pay fines and pay he's people back. A little bitch. 
But to him, there hasn't been much, except for that one report that showed in the 90s. That he lost over a billion billion dollars? dollars. Yeah. Which was... In a decade, he lost over a billion dollars. Average of over a hundred million dollars per year. That's insane. And because he's a great businessman. Yeah. A very stable genius. You know, I got like brains up in my head. And how much does he claim he's worth? That was only like 30 million. A really good brain. (laughs) A really good brain. And I have like a really, 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 really big, like (laughs) really big vocabulary. No. The best vocabulary. I have all the best words. It, it doesn't he? Cl- I thought he was claiming his net worth at one time, or his like thirty million dollars, or something like that. I thought that he was said ten, ten billion. Was it yeah, ten th- billion? Yeah, I think I've heard him say it's either six or ten. Or okay, somewhere in that range. Yeah, but still. Well, he's he's claimed to be a billionaire for sure. What? And he keeps trying to hide his taxes yeah, and hide eh, his bank records. Eh, in about a week, we'll find out. Hide the report, like. He tries to hide an awful lot of shit for somebody who claims he has nothing to hide and is completely innocent. Because he doesn't want them to catch on to his form of a Ponzi scheme. Mm, I gotcha. Well, that'll wrap things up for the regular portion of the show. I want, before we go, I want to make sure that we thank our Patreon supporters. That would be, you start this one. Alan Firth. New Mania. Christy Kalbach. Gaytheus. Larry Wilson. Steven Andrus. Let the meat go feffy. Two skippy chappies. Three Skeppy Chappies. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to change the name of their show. Let us know, Dan. You going to change the name of the show? Yeah. Is it going to be two yeah. skeptical yeah. chaps and another dude? Another another dude who shows up like for every show. <laughs> I know you. I know you've yeah metal. I know you've talked about maybe changing it or whatever. But yeah, let us let us know. Uh where are we? I just fucked that all up, didn't I? You, you, did you say two skeptical chaps? Okay, so now it's my turn. Michelle Short. Vanessa. Captain Samples. Utah Outcasts. Janet Uter. Maria Scott Wojciechowski. Wesley Aaron. Andrew Vodapich. Jeremy Goodson. Brandy Hamrick. Megan Kennedy. The Foz. Jeff Peterson. Jesse Pointner. Prethinker215. And Lisa Simpson. Support American Atheists. Yay! Savita Kuna. Purple Dragon. And Taylor Grant. Taylor Grant. Thank you all very much. We yes. really appreciate appreciate all the things you do for us over here on the little show. <laughs> we really love you, all you peoples are doing that. Now I, I'm gonna be revamping some of our stuff here in the near future. Uh I'm going to have to carve out some time in my schedule to get some stuff taken care of that has just been sitting on the back burner forever and uh I didn't tell you guys I got a new job. I'm well, well I'm still a federal kinda, employee. Or did I tell you last week? Well, you said that you were you were getting a new position or you're moving into a new position, uh more of a like a managerial position. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forgot to mention that in the opening that that's a done deal now. But oh, maybe congrats. we'll we'll talk about that more next week. Um thank you all very much for listening and so until next week. If Jesus returns, crucify that bastard again. Leave a review, because it's already been determined. <laughs> and write the show five times a day toward quantum indeterminacy. <laughs> nice. Empty-headed ninnies. Hello and welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Friday, May 10th. My name is Dan Ellis. This is episode 247. Is it? Isn't it? I'm not I'm I'm totally right on that. I'm sure of it.
but I'm gonna have to double check. Forty-eight. God damn it! Now I gotta start over. Oh, Shit. We just leave fuck ups in. We do this live. We'll do it live. No, because we. Oh, I, okay. I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs>